Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Hello, welcome to another edition of The Grain Feed, brought to you by EverAg. This is your weekly news feed for all things grain and all things feed. Each week, we bring you updates on the markets with unique perspectives from an amazing team of analysts with the intention of helping dairy and livestock producers manage their risk. I'm your host, Jim Matthews. I'm reporting from the Chicago office. Joining me today from his Texas office, Director of Feed Procurement, Mr. Jake Kingsley and dairy and grain and feed broker, agent, advisor, everything from Platteville to Paris, the Southwest Wisconsin. Miss Jenny Wackershauser. Team, how are we today? Doing, We're good. Doing well, Jim. Nice balmy 37 in Wisconsin. It's gorgeous. I think we almost got to 40 here in Chicago. It's yeah. great. I think you can flip those digits here in Texas, Jenny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait till it's 115 this summer. Yeah, you just relax there, Jake. Uh, Jenny, did I get all of your roles correct here? You wear a lot of hats here. I do. You're correct. Work with grain guys, work with feed guys, work with dairy guys. So hit all the all the bases. Awesome. Excellent. Well, we're going to use your expertise today. We've got a lot to run through. So, Paige, if you would kindly timestamp the broadcast. It's Thursday morning. Markets, well, Jenny, we're going to get to that, aren't we? Markets have had a wild week here in Chicago, a big setback on the corn markets, May specifically liquidating from its 680, 685 area down into the 630s, trading back up to 640 today. And we'll get into that bounce here in a second. The rest of the grain and oilseed markets, much of the same, not as much of a pullback from our stubborn little byproduct soybean meal, but they did take a setback during that big liquidation move in grains. But the screens are green today here, Thursday morning. So we've entered a new trading month. We're less than a week away from the next WASD report. And of course, the end of this month is our favorite planning intentions report. So March is going to be a big one for these markets. So Jenny, let's throw our grain and feed broker, agent, advisor, consulting role, everything that you do here. What on earth happened in the grain markets over the last week? Uh, we have finally found some volatility in our grain markets. I think most of us for the last two months have been a repetitive range-bound conversation, and we've finally broken those ranges. It appeared to be primarily a risk-off funds getting out of some of their long positions as we exited out of February into March, so end of the month, first notice day March contracts, as well as getting out of options. So all of those things lined up and it felt a lot like a risk off as well as we saw some gains in the U.S. dollar recently. So that makes it more expensive to get U.S. products. So that makes us less competitive on the world market at the same time as we see Brazil coming in with a delayed harvest on a giant crop. So they're coming in getting moving, but it's a delay. You would be delayed when you have a 20% bigger than normal crop. So we're seeing the price in Brazil fall at the same time our dollar strengthens that. All those things kind of line up for some pressure. We're still worried about the Argentina crop, and I think that's part of the reason we've seen bean meal not get a lot of pressure in this move. And today on our bounce back higher, it seems like that's part of that conversation as we've seen talk about some cancellations by China out of Argentina and shifting that into Brazil. 
Argentina, again, is a primarily a soybean meal exporter, whereas Brazil is a beans exporter. So if we see some of that shifting around and cancellation of orders, that's proving that there is real worries about Argentina's output still on soybean side and reinforcing the idea Brazil's doing well. March is that key time, again, for reports and information. Our, we were talking coming into today on where our soybeans to corn ratio looks at for coming into that planting intentions reports. Farmers are reporting into the USDA as we speak on what their plan is, and we're sitting at about a 2-4 soybeans to corn. And we were kind of trying to decide, is 2-5 the tipping point? Where do we sit on that long-term picture? Where does a farmer in the Midwest decide, oh, I'm going to switch to soybeans over corn? And we're right in the key of that decision-making parameters for our guys. And as we work with our grain guys in the Midwest, that cost of production number on corn, we are slipping. This move slipped us closer and closer to that break-even number, and, and they're maybe starting to address some of those things that weren't on the horizon when we are still sitting at closer to $6 fall corn than we are at 550 fall corn. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I mean, that, that bean corn ratio is something that we watch very closely, but it's not pure, right? We do have to take in cost of production for each individual crop as a factor when we think about what is their actual margin for raising and then selling that commodity. You touched on a lot there. As you said, March, big month. We finally did get that volatility you mentioned. So it did pull us out of that range. You know, with that three to four day stretch there was a, you know, no one knew when to step in. We had an expression on the trading floor that don't try to catch a falling knife. That seemed like that's what the corn market was uh, for three or four sessions. It does appear to have maybe found that floor. So maybe some folks are stepping in to catch that knife. So we'll see how the next... Uh, couple weeks play out. Jake, let's turn to you. Big moves here that Jenny referred to. How has this impacted some of the cash feed markets here in the States? Well, we really haven't seen a whole lot of uh, response in basis here, at least in old crop. Old crop corn's been kind of drifting lower basis wise for a few weeks, maybe a month and a half now. Um, I think this really was just an opportunity, if you hadn't already, to go ahead and capitalize on this break and, and get some cash corn bought maybe out through May or even June, July, get some of that stuff off the table. Um, soybean meal, obviously, we haven't seen quite as much of a break there. We did have one really good day, um, but that market's been pretty stagnant. I think it's probably going to stay a little bit stagnant, especially as Jenny talked, the the dryness in Argentina and potential switching from purchases out of Argentina to Brazil, does that turn business back our direction? And further, do we see dry weather move further north into Brazil as they get that safrina crop going and then that drives corn business back to the U.S.? So there's a couple of potential hiccups there in South America that could maybe cause a little bit of a pop in U.S. exports. So Again, I think take advantage of this opportunity here. Reward the market when it gives you a break like this. You don't have to do it all, but certainly get a few months. Quarter of your usage here would be going out to May or so. Um, not a bad idea today. I think we've seen this, this. If we did see an effect in basis, maybe it was in new crop corn. We had seen some early numbers come out that were better than what you could get for spot values today. Uh, but still historically strong. I think some folks have maybe backed away from that for a moment, maybe got 
a few sales on or are kind of concerned as to what exports do finish up here in the U.S. this crop year before they really start committing to new crop numbers. But again, those were some early numbers and they were still historically strong. So I think we can remain patient here. There's plenty of time for this bean corn price ratio to kind of shake out. There's all kinds of scenarios being thrown around ahead of the Planet Acres report as to what the corn balance sheet would be. And if it comes in anywhere close to some of these high-end numbers, we've seen 1.82 billion bushels, we could certainly see those basis numbers roll lower. So a little bit of patience there. I think something else to address is we've we've been talking fiber and forage costs here for, for a while and the drought in the West and its effect on that. I mean, virtually everybody from the Plains West was in a drought and pretty well emptied out their forage stocks, right? Well, we're starting to see those break down. Soy holes are becoming more cost-effective in the old crop window. Um, folks are seeing some early interest in their their silage producers to try to maybe get something worked out as how many acres they're going to be trading. Cotton seed numbers are starting to float around for new crop. I've seen 470 or, or slightly higher than that out on the West Coast already for new crop clock. I think those are numbers we can kind of be patient on. Again, that, that cottonseed number is historically high and all of California and parts of the West there, even the Plains have gotten some good precipitation here recently. So we're, we're looking to reload our fiber stocks a little bit. And I think we can be a little bit patient before we commit to anything like that. I would, I would guess that if we have anywhere close to a normal cotton crop, we could see California cottonseed prices somewhere with in the high 300s, Texas may be down into the high 200s or so. Now, I know we had this report come out calling for like an 18% or so reduction in acres, but a lot of those acres would be fringe ground to go into corn or beans if that's what these guys were talking about doing right. And cotton's a heavily subsidized crop. It's still very near its break-even value and and in an environment where we've been dry for as long as we have, it's hard to go and plant something that's not cotton on some of those acres. So I guess I'll believe it when I see it, but I think we got to be a little bit patient there. And the other thing is, I mean, we if we do catch any amount of rain and get some fiber production out here in the West particularly, I think that helps out generally everybody on the corn side. You're able to reduce your grain corn inclusion, reduce freight rates. I know with the lack of silage out West and lack of alfalfa, these folks had to increase their uh, grain corn inclusions in their rations 20 to 30% in some cases. So you get some some good uh, forage products back in the ration and you start to help out on that side too. So a lot of optimism, I guess, from my side. I know we've got some weather to work through in South America and plenty of time here in the U.S., but I think a little patience this early in the year still could uh, be beneficial. Good deal. Sounds good, Jake. We'll appreciate all that information. Before we go, we'd like to have Jenny quickly throw her dairy hat back on. And also, Jenny, we want to make sure that those motion lights stay on for the rest of your segment. So we want to give you an opportunity here before they shut off again. Um, Dairy hat, I know the last week has been very grain focused because of this, um, but let's give the dairy markets uh, some love here for a moment. What you got for us, Jenny? Well, as the volatility has moved into our grain markets in the last week, it seems to have left the dairy markets. We've been Fairly sideways quiet to softer, but not any big change. A lot of that has come into mixed signals that we continue to kind of see in the dairy markets. We've got an abundance of extra milk. We keep hearing 
numbers on the spot milk loads in that minus 10, minus six area. So if got if a plant has extra milk, they are discounting it pretty well to get it to move. On the flip side of that, we're also seeing a lot of dispersal notices for dairies out west. And many of those, it sounds like, are just leaving for age or timing of high milk prices, good opportunity, and not necessarily financial reasons. Um, so we get some mis- mixed signals as we kind of keep moving through here. The feed, this break in feed has made that conversation of long-term into fall more present, I think, in some producers and in our mindset in that if we do see this as a big break year on grains, if we have that abundant crop that they kind of hinted at coming out of the USDA economic forum, if we slide all the way into harvest and this is that year that we break and rebuild the balance sheet, that's not supportive for milk. We struggle to have high milk prices with low feed. Vice versa is true as well. We struggle to have low milk prices when we have high feed. So we're just looking a bit farther term, farther out, looking into the fall and making sure guys are hedging accordingly. Keeping that in mind as we look, even though the margins are tight, let's maybe look at the milk side and work on the feed as we move through this year and not wait on both. So being a little more active right now on protecting the milk price that's out there because the second half of the year still has a 19 and a half price available for class three milk. So it really gives still what looks today with feed as a tight margin. If we can drop that feed cost part as we move into fall, that that changes that margin discussion a lot. Okay. Excellent. Thank you, Jenny. I would just say being here in the Chicago office this week, uh, the conversation at least has shifted. I think it's important to note we did pull back on grain and feed, not that much in the grand scheme of things, <laughs> but we did. And at least maybe the uh, the bearish clouds are starting to, you know, build a little bit over the second half of this calendar year. And as you noted, Jenny, maybe if we do have that, you know, near perfect planting season in the States, a very ideal growing season and a rebuilding of the balance sheet here. And if demand from an export perspective remains weak, perhaps that assists in that conversation even more. So be very interesting to see how we play the second half of this year on both Uh, milk prices and feed prices. So excellent work today to you both. Thank you very much for your help. A big thanks to Jenny for joining the show. Always a pleasure to have you. We'd also like to thank Corey and the EverAg Insights crew for their support and to Paige for her production magic. And thank you to the viewers for watching the Grain Feed. If you enjoy the Grain Feed, please search for the podcast version wherever you find your favorite podcasts along with Parlor to Plate for some additional milk and grain expertise. So thank you to all those who listen in on those podcasts. Contact information is on the screen. We greatly appreciate your feedback. That's all for today. We'll see you next time on The Grain Feed.